Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Paul Canavan. Paul was uh, one of the illustrators and did the cover for Keza McDonald's and Jason Killingsworth book about Dark Souls called You Died. Uh, spoiler alert, I'm in that book. So if you uh, want to check it out, not only do you get to read about me being a giant asshole in Dark Souls, but also you get to have some of Paul's lovely art. Uh, Paul is a big Souls fan. Uh, we talk a lot about Dark Souls 1 and Bloodborne in this episode. Um, he's also designing his own games, and he's an artist for a lot of other video game companies. So having his perspective, I think, was really interesting. Uh, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, I mean, Dark Souls is my first uh, Souls game that I played. Um, I was aware of Demon Souls just from reading about it, and, and I remember it seemed like a cool thing, but I didn't have a PS3 at the time, so I kind of just missed the boat on that one. Um, and then, unfortunately, I don't have like a cool story. Like, I, I just at some point picked up uh, Dark Souls. Like, I'm a huge RPG nerd, so anything anything kind of dark and spooky kind of appeals to me and i remember reading reviews of it and everyone was just going on and on about it and i was like all right i'll, I'll try this thing out and I'll, I'll give it a bash um and i picked it up in ps3 and i played it i played it pretty much non-stop for like 20 hours and i just didn't get into it at all <laughs> like, really <laughs> i bounced off it so hard i remember getting to like the you know getting to the first bonfire in like undead berg um and like you know what it's like with Dark Souls? If you, if you don't know the mechanics well enough yet, you haven't kind of figured out the the way it plays. It was still relatively early on in the game's release, so it's not like, you know, everything was on the internet. People were still kind of figuring things out. I remember reading lots of articles on uh, different magazines or on, on Twitter or whatever about people sort of trying to work out, you know, how, how do we get past this? How do we get past the Hellkite Dragon? And how do we do this and this and this? Um, and I just got stuck at that bonfire <laughs> and, and just... Oh man, I was stuck there for so long, and uh, yeah, I just stopped playing entirely. Um, yeah, I just fell off it <laughs> completely. <laughs> That's a tough section. I remember Dark Souls was my first game as well. Going from that bonfire to the um, uh, Taurus Demon and being able to beat mm. the Taurus Demon took me like a solid six hours, which is ridiculous because it's like, oh, if yeah. you go back to it, like, oh, it's like three minutes of gameplay max. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, funnily enough, the way I got back into it is so bizarre and I would be fascinated to see if anyone else had, had done this, but I think it was sometime later, maybe weeks or months. I honestly don't remember. Um, I was just on YouTube and I ended up watching a guy speed running it. Um, and it was one of the early, like, this is pre-expansion, pre-kind-of-everything uh, speedrun of the game. And it, you know, it was one of those total light bulb moments where you're like, oh my God, he runs past the enemy. Oh my God, he just parries the enemy. Wait a minute, he's not wearing any art. You know, like all, the list of <laughs> things that you discover the more you play this. And I, you know, I've been in Dark Souls multiple times now and like I love the game to bits. But um, it wasn't until I saw that speedrun that I was like, okay, you can do this differently. And the way I got into Dark Souls from then 
and this is so lame. This is so incredibly lame. Um, I had my laptop open on my like the couch beside me, and I literally copied what that guy did. Like he started off and he went straight into the catacombs. I'm like, all right, that's what we're doing. And I'm like, oh, he runs in there and he pushes this lever, and then he okay, he goes, and I just copied it bit by bit. You know, he goes and gets the Grave Lord sword like straight off, and I'm like, okay, that's it. He goes and fights Pinwheel like this crazy route through the game. Um, and yeah, I just copied the 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 run and literally like from start to finish, um, and it was. It was so fun. I'd never, I'd, well, I've never ever played a game like that since, nor had I played a game like that before. But there was kind of, I don't know, there's something about the spectacle of it that I, I found really, really entertaining. Just having, having like almost like a guide be like, okay, now, you know, you go through, oh God, what's this, the section where you need the, uh, the lantern in, in the, um, oh yeah, the, the Tomb of the Giants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the way that guy played it, you know, he went straight from, from, um, Pinwheel. What's not Pinwheel? What's the boss called? God, I'm uh, going to forget all the names now. That's I'm okay. A, yeah, Pinwheel is the one right before the Team of the Giants. That it the, is. It is Pinwheel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, so in his run, because he did, he hadn't obviously got any of those items at that point. Um, he he did it. He just did it blind. Like he he, you know, you can you can if you don't have the the lantern, you can just make out little points of light through the Tomb of the Giants. And he just did this crazy run where he was just like sprinting down and leaping off the off the big ledges and all this mad stuff. So I memorized that and copied it. It was just a weird experience. And then I guess I was just hooked from then on. <laughs> and that's what got you. That's that is a very weird origin story because uh, it's know, very strange. Speed running a game like that. Normally, what I hear is like, oh, I went and got the Grave Lord sword, or I got the drake sword and that like that gave me the edge i needed to like kill enemies and you know one hit instead of three hits so like i could finally mm-hmm. like make progress uh like copying a speed run and you've never done anything like that before or since like you know never no, never, <laughs> never played a game <laughs> like great. that <laughs> it's interesting as well because grave lord like it's not you know it's not a great sword throughout the game you know it's 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 fine for for a good chunk it's, I mean, it's a lot better than drake sword in terms of damage output and it does toxic i think and all this kind of cool stuff but like it was interesting because it's a it's a heavy ass two hander. You know, you can only really two hand it at that point in the game because you need like seventeen strength or whatever. Um, and it I, it was one of those like teaching moments where I learned how to almost almost like a monster hunter game. Like it, it was so slow to to maneuver, um, and I had to just pump my stats into strength. So I didn't have stats in anything else. So I just learned. You know, you learn all the like switching quickly between one hand and two hands, switching quickly. You know, so you can do like a parry and then switch to your two hand. Like a lot of kind of technical Dark Souls-y stuff um, I kind of learned through doing that. So it was kind of an interesting way to teach, actually. Did, that, did you go back through and play Dark Souls after that? And like, okay, I'm going to use all these skills that, I, that I've learned and, and <laughs> yeah. do another run? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, if, to be honest, like that Catacombs run is like my default way to start the game now. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I've played, I've played through it different ways since, but um, you, you just you you get you get good at it just by copying someone who's really good at it, and then um, I just yeah I've, I mean I played it through loads of times since then um, sure. and all all of the series obviously, um, and I'm not I'm not particularly great by the way, <laughs> but I uh, I love those games so much. Yeah, they're they're how how much of the story and stuff did you pick up on that first run, or is that all just kind of background noise and information to you? That's a good question. Um, I I don't. I don't know if I was like super aware of the plot. I was still getting, I wasn't like speed running through conversations. So I was still getting the usual tidbits. It's just, it was all kind of out of order. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I definitely got it. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm an artist by trade, like my, my job, I'm an art director in, you know, triple A games. And a lot of the stuff that I do is world building stuff. Um, a lot of, 
uh, a lot of my interests kind of align with the way that Dark Souls um, tells its story. So I didn't really need to be spoon-fed it too much. Like I kind of picked it up and just being in the world was enough. I mean, that, for me, that's the most interesting thing about the game is, is the world more than, you know, I, I love mechanics-driven games. I love uh, super technical games a lot. Um, and I like the way it plays. But for me, uh, Dark Souls has always kind of been about the world and about the, the atmosphere and the, the creatures and so on. So I got enough from that one run to to really hook me on the concept, I think. <laughs> yeah. The world design, especially in dark souls one is so eye opening and incredible. Like, you know, the, I, I always think about that Vista that Solera is looking out onto when he starts talking yeah. about the, you know, glorious, whatever. Uh, and I just, you know, just those, they set the, they set the player up to have those moments so often throughout that game where you look up and you're like, Oh wow, this is just a, this is just a view, like gorgeous view ahead yeah. like is written in the soapstone sign underneath you. And it's really impressive how they pull that off and what would otherwise be a, a pretty dark RPG. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And they did, they also just did a really good job with the, uh, like the, the way it's textured, the way, the way the lighting works in it, like, Growing up in Scotland, especially, you know, we have a lot of a lot of castles, a lot of a lot of places that look like they've been burned down like four hundred times. Um, and I live in Edinburgh, which we were talking about earlier. Like Edinburgh is just straight up bloodborne. You know, it's wet and dark, and it looks like that. And they did such a good job of like creating, you know, fantasy. Fantasy is, uh, you know, it's a pretty generic fantasy universe in, in a lot of ways, you know, visually. But they they, they really brought it brought to life that kind of wet dark kind of undergrowth feel um and it in, in a way that you don't see that much like dragon's dogma was maybe one that kind of almost managed mm-hmm. to do it but dragon's dogma was just so silly like I, I mean i love that game by the way more than more than anything but that's a that's a different story um dragon's dogma but, uh, does, yeah. is, is so hugely successful and making you scared of the dark in that game uh, that's, <laughs> yeah that's that's what oh, that's the one thing that sold like even as goofy as it was because I loved, I just played Dragon's Dogma for the first time like last year, so I'm I'm still kind of in that oh, wow. haze of, of fresh of loving it so much and just thinking about my <laughs> enormous like pawn that I made named Sam Winchester that could go stab somebody. It just that game is so goofy and wonderful and great, and I I, I just love it. So yeah, oh, I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And I mean, Dark Souls has some of that humor as well, which I think is important. You know, like the the dumb NPC laughs, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff. You know, it does have a little bit of that humor sprinkled through, and I think that's that's important that it's not just you know it's like you're saying with the vistas it's, it's not entirely grim you know it, it's a grim concept and it's a grim world um but there's there's moments of of light and there's moments of sort of levity and stuff that, that really helps even like the dialogue like the grossly incandescent line it, there's some just incredibly weird silly lines and characters in there that i just love Ugh, it's so good yeah, how can you not like the the onion bro? Like the first time that you meet him and you kind of wake <laughs> him up and you're like, who is this fat dude in a bunch of onion armor? This makes no sense. Uh, who is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> and you find out he's the best boy. And he's the best Absolute boy. Best Absolutely. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, I actually attacked him uh, my first run through uh, like an idiot and then never managed to get – well, I must have got past him eventually, but like – you know, because <laughs> sitting is just a stupid place as well. Where like I attacked him for some, st- I think I just wanted his armor, and it was like one of those early experiments. And like, can I? I mean, I know I can kill the NPCs, but like, can I kill the NPCs? And um, yeah, he he just blocked me off from that entrance to uh, Sans Fortress for for a long time. Um, <laughs> in a subsequent playthrough, I did it properly, but like I remember in that one, I fucked it up. That's hilarious. I, 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 him coming after you at the opening of Sins, too. Like, probably the worst part, like, the worst, uh, uh, like, one of the biggest stumbling blocks in a playthrough, especially your first time, is really hilarious to me. 
Yeah, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> Highly recommend trying to parry that maniac on that little <laughs> thin bridge for hours on end. <laughs> oh boy! As a uh, as somebody who 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 builds these worlds professionally and who you know looks at this stuff from a, a a professional point of view, from a creative point of view, do you is it hard to shut off that part of your brain when you're playing through whether it's this game or any game for the first time? Uh, like, are you constantly looking at like how to how the world was built instead of just the world on the on its face? That's a good question. Um, I think I think in the background it's always there, um, but I think more than anything, it probably just makes me a big critic because it means if I if I enjoy a game, I really enjoy a game. Like if if if, if a game does manage to suck me in and do that thing where it's like I you know I'm just having a, like Bloodborne. Bloodborne is such a good example of like a game that was basically perfect for me, and like I was instantly invested and instantly sucked in, and I wasn't like. Critiquing it from a technical point of view, I was just appreciating it on a on a level because a it was it was brilliant, but b like I know how this stuff was made, like I know how hard it was to do this, like holy crap, like the, your asset budget must have been crazy, like wow, the art direction of this area is incredible, like those animation, like the way you're blending those frames, you know, like this, yeah, you, you definitely have that stuff in the background, but it, it doesn't get in the way, thankfully, of just enjoying the game. Otherwise, I'd go insane. I mean, <laughs> games are like my main my main source of pleasure, so. Uh, if I wasn't able to enjoy that, it would be pretty awful. <laughs> yeah, I always think back because uh, I was an IT guy for years and years and years, and like literally mm. any time somebody used a computer in a movie or a TV show, you would just roll your eyes. Oh, God. Just, <laughs> nope, that's not how any of this works, my friends. You don't hack the IP. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah, uh, Adobe UI sort of kicks in, and you're like, that's not how that's not how anything looks at all. <laughs> I've seen I've seen code art. <laughs> <laughs> Why did uh, Bloodborne work for you so well? Like, why, you mentioned that that game was pretty much made for you. Like, what was the? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it was the the environment and the the kind of gothic horror mm-hmm. thing, as opposed to the the fantasy, you know, medieval mm-hmm. fantasy aspect of Dark Souls. But what was it specifically? Yeah, I think there's two parts to it. Um, one, I'm I'm big into game design. Um, I, I'm, I've always been obsessed with game design. I'm designing my own game at the moment, um, so I really appreciate seeing a developer go from something like Dark Souls and Demon's Souls, which was very, you know, they had a formula and they, they, they built on it throughout the series, but it, it was, it was still kind of the same and being able to go from that and take it into something which had some of that flavor, but still felt like unique and, and really challenging in a kind of interesting, different way. I have just, God, I have so much respect for that. Like I, I love, love that game from a mechanical point of view. Like I love the, I was like risk rewarding games. Mm-hmm. Um, Bloodborne played that so cleverly with the, you know, losing health and then getting it back by attacking and all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, on, on one, one, one side, it's, it's pure respect, like deep, deep respect. I think, I think that's one of the most sort of mechanically pure um, action adventure, I, s- I suppose, games I've ever played. And it also ruined a lot of games for me. Like I, I never got into the Witcher three because the combat wasn't as good as Dark Souls, you know, as, as good as Bloodborne. Um, and, and yeah, I really respect that. And then of course the other side is just, yeah, the, the, the world building. I love the going from, going from Gothic horror and really going hard on Gothic horror and then sort of subtly transitioning it into sort of Lovecraftian um, stuff was just beautiful. It was so well played. It was so interesting. Um, 
yeah, I, I, I love Dark Souls. Dark Souls is, is my baby. Um, you know, I've played it so many times. I, I really love that world. And I, it's a game that I love sitting down with people and, and, and showing. But I think Bloodborne is the better game. I think Bloodborne is the best Souls game for sure. Um, it it feels like the combination of like all of their efforts to there. Like I, when I look at those games, I and I, I've said this often on the podcast, but uh, like the real trilogy to me is Demon's Dark and then Bloodborne. Like that feels like mm-hmm. the, there's a clear line of evolution th- between those games. Yeah. Um, with two and th- Dark Souls two and three kind of splintered off from from various points. Um, Absolutely. Bloodborne just feels so damn good to play, <laughs> and but that risk reward <laughs> system is. Like it, it breaks it breaks down in some of the boss fights, but I, I don't really mind that much because I, I as much as I love the bosses in Bloodborne, like I could just play that game. Like I can, I'm a big Chalice Dungeon mm-hmm. fan, and I'll just load up a random Chalice Dungeon and like explore a little bit of Bloodborne for a little while and then leave. And that's you know that's, that really <laughs> yeah. works for me. Like just the the moment to moment gameplay is so exciting that I, I don't care <laughs> about hardly anything else. Yeah, absolutely, and, and it it they they do the Blizzard thing as well, where like everything feels just better than it should. You know, every like like changing your weapon feels amazing. Like like jumping, like every every single action feels so polished and and so tight and good. Um, it, it kind of builds on the whole. You know, Dark Dark Souls. People always say, you know, the nice thing about Dark Souls is, is if you fail, it was your fault, and that's that's kind of true. Like it, it's true about fifty percent of the time. The rest of the time, it's a big ball that you didn't know about or an enemy <laughs> attack that you, you weren't aware of but i think bloodborne pushes it further like i think bloodborne's actually even even more there's more control in your hands you're faster you're you're more alive you you, you know it, it flows and, it, and it's it's almost more kind of action heavy in an interesting way like more devil may cry than demon souls i mean it's not that far but you know, you know what i mean it's, it's no, more I, um I, I, I feel you I, I have often talked about um and they're, they're obviously trying to do this with Sekiro, I think. Like, I, I haven't played that yeah. game, but um, I've often said that you could probably remove the RPG stats from Bloodborne and just give you, like, skills to use various types of weapons or whatever, and it would play just mm. the same, and it would be a very similar experience. Like, I think that that's how well that game plays. And I think that's a compliment. Like, I don't... Mm-hmm. As much as I like to build... To make builds and to build my character, I, I, I don't need a level-up system to do that sometimes, so... Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the only failing of Bloodborne for me was the the health system. I think Estus flasks are one of the best inventions in RPGs ever, and it's something I'm absolutely stealing for <laughs> from the game I'm making. <laughs> um, like have, having a constant source of health um, whenever you rest is such an interesting mechanic. And I and I remember Bloodborne really annoying me <laughs> by having to farm uh, whatever I've forgotten what the healing item is. Blood now, vials, but, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That drove me nuts. But apart from that, it's it, apart from that, it's perfect. <laughs> that one thing. <laughs> it's it's a very weird decision to me because Dark Souls 1 with the Estus was so clearly paced at an exact level. Like They knew exactly how many Estus flasks you would have to get from point A to point mm. B and they played with that space so well and made you really, really tense. Like The first time you get to the top of Sin's Fortress and you're like where is the bonfire? I'm, I have come <laughs> so far. I have to find this bonfire. Then they hide it from you is a really yeah. good moment of, of gameplay to me. And yeah, I don't, I don't understand why they keep messing that up in, in subsequent games. Like It just doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't know. I think they're, they're trying to up the challenge but all, all they're doing is adding a grind element that doesn't fit the play style, I don't think. Like, I, I don't want to play Bloodborne. I, I, I want to run into battle and use my skills. I don't want to spend hours farming enemies for blood vials. That's not that's not an interesting mechanic for me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, that again, it's a pretty minor complaint in in the grand scheme of things. It's a sort of masterwork of a video game design, I think. You, you just mentioned like the the difficulty, and obviously these games come with a oh these are the hardest games ever kind of thing. And I feel <laughs> like over the last few years, from software has leaned into that, whether it was via you know mm. Bamco's marketing for Dark Souls three or you know some of the latter bosses in Bloodborne. Where, where do you fall on that? Like, do you find these games particularly difficult, or do you do you kind of just embrace mm. the combat and like every mistake is my own? So I'm going to it's me it's me not being good enough to do this one particular thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually not sure I said on that because they are difficult games. I don't, I don't think there's you know there's always going to be some people who decry the the idea that they're difficult and be like, oh, it's completely fair. I mean, it, it, it's no, they're difficult games. They're designed. They're they're tuned to be difficult. Um, they don't handhold at all. Um, cause again, there's like two, there's almost two parts to this. There's like difficulty of the combat itself. And then there's the actual, like, uh, the, the, the way the world is laid out, the way it leads you through it. You know, this is not a, a Nintendo game where they introduce a mechanic and teach you how to use the mechanic on three occasions before, you know, setting you on the boss. This is very much a, well, this stuff's here. I don't know. Figure it out. <laughs> like there's <laughs> 20 skeletons and they will just keep coming back, I guess. Um, you know, it's, it, it is difficult. It is a difficult game. Um, personally though, I am very, very, very into skill-based competitive games in particular. So it, 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 um, it appeals to me in that way. Like, like, uh, I guess, will be a comparison like i guess uh dragon's dogma is a good comparison you know sort of similar time period uh skyrim um i never found skyrim difficult in any way you know i I didn't feel any challenge and i liked the world but i think there's something about the difficulty of the souls games that is appealing and like exciting and um I, I, th- I think, yeah, that was a very, sorry, that was a very windy answer for that. Yes, I think they're difficult, <laughs> but, but I like, but I like that. You know, I think that's cool. I, uh, when I first started playing Dark Souls, it was like right around the beginning of 20, end of 2011, beginning of 2012, shortly after it came out. And, uh, I refer to that couple of years after I played Dark Souls for the first time as me just having Soulsitis because I would, <laughs> I would pick up another video game and just be like, why am I playing this when I could just be playing Dark Souls and like literally just yeah. put everything to the side for it. And, I've gone back and played some of those games, but uh, Skyrim was the big one. Like Skyrim came out around the same time Dark Souls One did, and I just I have never been one to click with Skyrim at all. Like I've tried several times. I've got a buddy of mine that was doing kind of a cool like role playing podcast that was based on Skyrim, and I wanted to get into that for him, and I just I just can't do it. Like the combat feels so bad to me that I just I'm like I just don't want to be playing this. Yeah, that that I think that's a really valid thing. Like when when you experience something that feels as good you want it to be in everything. It's, it's it's like there's, there's been a few games throughout history that have introduced sort of mechanics that you're just like, why doesn't everything do this? You know, yep. like <laughs> left for dead had the, the, the director and it's like, why doesn't every game have an AI director? Even, even if it's not exactly what they're claiming it to be, it's still really interesting and, and challenging and cool. Why doesn't everything, every game have active reload? Like there's all these kind of like mechanics that broke through and did cool stuff. And I think, yeah, Dark Souls for sure. Like just, just that combat loop, just that feel. Even even the way they mapped the 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 controls is really interesting. Like the the number of you know, there, there's sort of a few key you can you can block or you can parry, and they're 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 sort of linked, and that feels really good. Um, you know, you can do a heavy and a light, like that's really familiar to, to people. But like it's just the way they place those things, like the kick and everything, is like quite a small quite a small selection of skills that you actually have in that game, but they, they play together so interestingly. And yeah, Skyrim, for example, yeah, could never match that. It had a, you know, an attack, a heavy attack and a spell, I guess. And 
and, and like that's kind of cool in some ways. If you if you you know if you want to emulate like Diablo one, um, it's got like kind of or so Diablo two that kind of you know flicking between skills on your right mouse button is is kind of an interesting thing. But like it's it yeah, it just felt limiting compared to to what the Souls games were doing. Yeah, just you know you're talking about the the where the buttons are on the controller. I remember picking up demons for the first time um and which i only got like 45 minutes into and i was like oh this is way too difficult and i never want to play this game again <laughs> uh but when i first started seriously trying to play dark dark souls one just the the, tr- the the like attack is on a trigger like why am i not hitting the x to, to do an attack and it's because they want you to like have that consideration when you do it and it took me a long time to figure that out <laughs> to be yeah. able to like you know use that effectively and man you mentioned the kick like the first time that i realized like oh i can kick these shield guys and then i, then I can hit them i was like my yeah. mind was blown it's such a simple thing <laughs> but you know it's not something that they draw a line to to show the player and i just yeah just didn't click for me for a long time and then when it did boy i fell in love yeah it, it, it's it's true um the only funnily enough the only game i can think of that's done something as tight and well considered over the last few years has been destiny i think i think destiny did a really good job with just giving you like three like they give you like a, a dodge uh, uh you know a, a, a punch and uh um God, what's the other one? I don't know, something else. Um, and, and and I always felt that those three, they did a lot of, of good work with those sort of three inputs. But yeah, it's it's really it's really rare for something to to be as tight as the the Souls controls. Souls controls. <laughs> Somebody is rushing out to make a YouTube channel called Souls Controls right now. <laughs> I actually just I just trademarked that. Sorry, sorry. Oh, God darn. <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> we'll have to both race to the YouTube login page to see who can create it first. Soulscontrols.biz. Got there you it. Go. <laughs> do you uh do you get into speaking of like YouTube and things like that? Like, do you get into the the kind of community that's around Souls games? Uh, you know, there's it kicked off such a huge um like youtube twitch obviously podcast like all this other stuff kind of swelled up around it with fan artists and fanfic writers and all that stuff do you participate in that do you consume any of that content yeah i definitely consume the content um i i've been a long time follower of the main Dark Souls YouTubers whose names have vanished from my head and who I would never even be able to pronounce if I wanted to, but probably I like, either I like, Vadi or uh, yeah, Vadi for sure. And yeah, 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 Marcus. Yeah, yeah. I, like I love their stuff. Um, followed it for a long time, um, and I appreciate. You know, I, I, again, I'm, I'm an artist by trade anyway, and I've done like bits and bobs of like Souls kind of sketches over the over the years, um, as well as obviously that the book that I worked on. But um, no, I, I don't. I haven't engaged too much beyond that. I just. You know, for for me, it exists. It's it's like one of those weird games that's quite personal to me, and it kind of exists in a space that I I don't need that much out, outside influence. Honestly, like I have my own version of, you know, the, the game means something to me, and 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 that's that's fine. <laughs> I do like to watch speedruns. I, I I will always watch Souls speedruns. They're so satisfying. Um, but yeah, not not much not much beyond there. I haven't written any fanfics yet. <laughs> it can happen. <laughs> you don't have your you don't have your OTP. You're not ready. <laughs> Well, maybe, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 but I love that that stuff exists, you know, like as a creator, um, it's really satisfying seeing the way communities build up around, around projects, especially this project. I mean, I obviously didn't work on Dark Souls itself, so I don't have this experience with that game, but other, other ones, it's really nice watching the way communities build. And, and I think there's something magical about the Soul series in particular, because it's so, 
it holds back so much. You know, it, it doesn't give you all the answers. And that's really exciting for writers and artists and musicians to kind of try and fill in the blanks or, or try and just, just get inspired by that. And I, it makes me really happy to see one that this like incredibly kind of weird, obscure game series became so huge in the first place. Cause it is, it's like a bizarre thing to be mainstream. You know, it's, it's not in any way in terms of mechanics or, or even the, the, the way it all fits together. It, it's not a mainstream game, but it, it, you know, achieved this huge mainstream success. And it, it makes me really happy to see that and to see the community, you know, rally around that and create content it's really yeah it's really cool and it's it's weird to me because dark souls when i was playing it felt like it was such a niche game demon souls was obviously mm. like a like a cult classic by that point like you know they had a really strong but pretty small following and, and dark souls blew that up and then you know fast forward to 2019 and i'm picking up or really i guess 2018 and i'm picking up god of war and thinking like oh this plays like souls mm. now and this is a huge mm. you know game that uh you know that a triple a game that came out that you know took direct inspiration from that and uh i find that really interesting like souls seems to have set these weird standards not standards but set these weird like mechanical aspects that games want to aspire Mm -hmm. to which i find really fascinating it is really strange because usually the games that do that are you know big triple a shooters traditionally you know Mm -hmm. it's it's the you know modern warfare for uh or sorry modern warfare one call of duty four came and you know change change shooters you know gears of war huge came and changed shooters but yeah to have this like weird kind of esoteric uh kind of buggy strange rpg come in and like define how combat and like define how every game will do resurrection and and risk reward and uh the feel of its combat forevermore it, yeah it's, it's kind of mad um I, I don't know if they could ever have predicted that success honestly um yeah it's, it's really weird but yeah, very I cool. I'd, I'd, I'd be curious what they're and this is something that you can't really ever find out unless you were probably real good friends with the people that were making the game as this, this was happening mm-hmm. but like their reaction to dark souls one becoming such a big thing and then you know just over the last seven or eight years just this whole thing blowing up and to the point where you know there's mm-hmm. tens of millions of people playing these games it's just crazy like from from software who is not an amateur video game developer by any means, but has a history of games that have never really gotten that kind of attention before. It must be like mind blowing to be like, I wonder if Miyazaki just looks around and is like, I don't know how I got here. What is happening? Like what is going on? <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, you think about like other, you know, other games that were hugely successful. I, I kind of think about monster hunter a lot. Cause they, the two have quite a lot in common and, you know, monster hunter has not had that effect over here. Like monster hunter world was like hugely successful over, over, you know, in the West, but, uh, you don't see every game going out and copying monster hunter. You know, we've got like dauntless and that's kind of it really. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's mad that they captured, they just totally captured a moment, you know, mm-hmm. it's yeah. I'm really thankful that it happened. And also, you know, I've ripped off Dark Souls in so many ways on so many projects, you know. <laughs> so I'm I'm very thankful in fact that it exists. <laughs> is that just from like a like an art slash world building perspective, or is that mechanics in, in some of the games you're making? I'm just curious. Like and I mean everybody borrows from everybody. Mm. Like I'm not I'm not trying to like pin you down on a crime or anything. I'm just curious what what, what you took uh no, inspiration no, no. from. No, that's totally the nature of art, isn't it? Um, yeah, certainly for I'm making an RPG at the moment um, that certainly borrows uh, some mechanical stuff from Dark Souls that I that I like. I mean, the way I construct any kind of game anyway is, is by you know taking you just take the stuff you like, like oh, I like how The Witcher did this, I like how. 
blah, 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 did this. And you, you kind of get all those mechanics and you put them in a bowl and you, you see what works. Um, but yeah, for, for art as well, for sure. Um, I, I don't, I don't know what I would pull from directly as influence now. Funnily enough, art wasn't my major pool from Dark Souls. Um, again, like, like I was saying earlier, I love the world. I love the, I love everything about it visually, but it wasn't a huge inspiration on me in that way. I think maybe just cause you know, I came to it when I was already quite established in my career. Like I, I think if I'd been a kid playing Dark Souls, that would have been like the driving force for my entire career, probably. Whereas I had like Diablo two and you know Warcraft two. <laughs> that, that, that's that was my you know my inspiration thing that kicked kicked me in Magic the Gathering, obviously, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, but I think more mechanically and more storytelling. Like I, I love that kind of storytelling style, and I do try to emulate if i'm like running an rpg or something i'll try and emulate that like not giving them too much and letting them fill in the blanks because i just think that's really cool <laughs> it's one of those things where uh it, it's really weird to call a, a game developer of any kind kind of brave but building your stories that way and telling your stories that way gives it gives the players the opportunity to completely miss <clears> it <throat> and I, <clears throat> I feel like that's something that especially over the last few years like games have gotten bad at like games when people make games they devote huge amounts of time and energy and resources to it and they want you to be able to see everything in the game like they they don't want you to to miss out on anything um and in the soul series for whatever reason just doesn't seem to care about that like they're just like yeah we're we're gonna hide our our castlevania canehurst castle over here (laughs) under the most obscure circumstances you have to find the middle middle gear solid ladder and then kill a guy and pick up an envelope (laughs) and go back to an area that was a dead end i mean that's just it's crazy but you know that yeah that that telling those stories that way gives players the opportunity to miss that and i think that's really fascinating yeah, it's it's interesting as well because it would never happen in the West. Like games, AAA games are not made that way at all. Like you, like publishers want to get their money's worth. You know, they're they're not gonna like they can. Kinder is an awesome example. Like that's an astonishingly expensive section of a video game to build if you can if you can miss it or any, any section of the game that you can miss, like Ulysses, all that kind of stuff. Like you're talking months and months of work for like a full dev team, so tens of thousands of dollars that like could, could you could just miss it <laughs> like that is that just would never happen like uh, acti or ea or whatever would not allow that stuff for, for reason you know perfectly reasonable you know it's, that's a huge cost out of your budget um but i think yeah i think brave is a good word because it shows that they believed in the they believed in the setting i think more than the story like the story is there to give a little flavor, but they believed that you could play the game without any of that and just be there in that space and with those mechanics and that it would work and that it would feel good. And um, yeah, I, I think that's amazing. I, I'd actually be really fascinated to know how they landed on, like we're going to tell our story through our items, for example, because that's like, that's really obscure. That's a, you know, <laughs> it, it's not uncommon to have like a little bit of text on an item in an RPG, but like, you you get most of your story through the items in that game. And I wonder how they arrived at that. Like, I wonder if that was kind of an organic process or if that was like a decision from, from day one. Well, you can I see, don't know anything. I'm you can curious. see some of the history of that in um, their previous games, like Shadow Tower and Kingsfield. Um, mm, I never played those games, so I missed out on that, unfortunately. Yeah, they are. Uh, I, I've never played them either. I've only watched like Let's Plays because they're they're mechanically they're just very difficult to control. Like they're first person, mm. very unforgiving dungeon crawlers that. 
I think it's I think it's Kingsfield Four where you start out the game literally like if you move any direction but forward, you're going to fall off a cliff and die. Like that's the, <laughs> that's the very first thing. Uh, and it, some of that was there. T- some of that was there too. But there's also like overly explicit storytelling in those games. So yeah, I'd, I'd be kind of curious too. I, I've always been fascinated by the idea of the writing process. Like, do you, mm. do you write the story of Artorius and then hand it to one person say remove five pages at random and then <laughs> and then to try to yeah. and then hand it to the second person and say okay now put this in the game i mean like i how did that process works as a as an actual creator is really interesting to me yeah and i, I think the answer for that would probably be really just dis- dis- disappointing for most people because i would be willing to bet that those stories don't exist like as, as you know, when we're thinking about like filling in the blanks, I would almost guarantee that those blanks have never been filled in. That it's just like ideas and snippets that happen to fit together and feel good. Because like that, I mean, that's that's how I write a lot of the time, and I and I like that approach actually because it means even the author doesn't necessarily know what the what the truth is. Um, I, I I mean, I could I, again, I could be totally wrong with that, but it's it's just an inkling I have that you know. You, you write a little bit about this, you write a little bit about that, a little bit about Sif, a little bit about how these characters came together um, for the items, and then we, the hapless players, come along and assume that there's this huge overarching narrative and sort of fill it in, in our heads. And I think that's actually kind of cooler than if, if they'd gone and written a whole backstory for them and then just given us like a little tidbit. But I don't know, could be wrong. The uh, the mystery is what's, what's the most exciting part of that. And I think even, mm-hmm. um, even as a writer, you 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 want to imply it. You want to you want to imply those mysteries, but not actually have have them solved at all. And I think we as an audience, as, as people who play games or read books or whatever, we're kind of spoiled by. I think comic books did this to me. Like comic books have this have this crazy desire to answer every possible question that someone could ask <laughs> about Superman, <laughs> as opposed to just yeah. letting it be done. And I, I, I feel like a lot of media is like that nowadays. So you know, just again. That, that decision to let people miss things or not understand them or to just imply that this mystery exists without ever getting detailed is it's, it's kind of a weird and brave thing to do. I, I have no idea how they ever got funding to do any of this, <laughs> like how, how they went to Sony know. and was like, yeah, we're going to tell a whole story, uh, but you can't say anything about the Lovecraft stuff. Like we're going to hold that back for like two years. Okay, cool. And Sony was just like, here's some money. Go, go do your thing. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And and to not try and control the message either. Like the games went out and that's it. You know, you never see Miyazaki sort of shouting about how actually this is what happened or you know, like it's just, <laughs> you know, we made this thing, now it's yours. Go and, you know, go and write some stories. Um I love it. I love it so much. Talk to me about how you got involved in the You Died book. Um <clears throat> for for listeners that may not be familiar uh, you died was a was a book written by um, Jason Killingsworth and Kez McDonald, uh, kind of chronicling Dark Souls stories, chronicling this time of uh, gaming journalists like kind of coming together and trying to figure out what the hell Dark Souls was in the land before wikis and anybody really had it publicly. Uh, they did a lot of interviews with people. I was interviewed, which was a great honor. I was pretty <laughs> was before I was really even doing anything in the Souls community, so that was kind of crazy. Um, That's awesome. Um, did speedrunners throughout the book? There's all these really good illustrations, and of course, the cover of the book is this beautiful picture of uh, the gravestone and uh, that Sif is guarding in Dark Souls One. Kind of talk about how you came to be involved with that project and what you did for it. Yeah. Okay. Oh God, this is going to be going back. Um, so, well, I'm an artist. Um, I work in video games, um, art director on AAA cinematics and, um, 
I've been doing that for like 12 years or something now. So um, a lot of my, you know, I follow a lot of games journalists. Um, I'm, you know, I'm very, 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 always been very fond of, you know, PC Gamer. Um, I've had friends at Kotaku over the years and, and so on, so on, so on, so on. And um, yeah, I, I think early on, I always wanted to be a writer, which is where this came from. I always wanted to write for for video games and, and work in um work as a as a reviewer so i, I followed keza already i mean keza's from from edinburgh as well um but I, I did actually never met her at that point and i just remember one day uh i think that she put out a message saying they were looking for an artist for a dark souls book so i of course like fell over immediately I'm like, <laughs> oh i'm that guy i'm the dark souls artist guy <laughs> you're like me anytime um, somebody mentions bloodborne on twitter i'm like do you want to be on a podcast <laughs> yeah need- hi can we be best friends forever um <laughs> So yeah, I, honestly, I, I think it was as simple as that. I think I just replied and was just like, "Hi, do you, do you please hire me? Like, I'll totally come and do that." Um, and I sent them some samples. I mean, I don't remember what year this was. This is a while ago now. But I, I'd done, I'd done some sort of Soulsy fan art, I think, at that point. Um, and I'd done a bunch of boot covers and things by that point as well. So like, I was, I was a good bet because the, th- the thing with this stuff is, you know, when you put out a message like that on on Twitter, you're going to get a lot of responses from a lot of people. That, all sorts of stages in their careers. Um, and I was lucky enough to be at a stage where I had like good samples. So um, yeah, that was pretty much it. I met them. Um, we chatted online for a wee bit. I met up with Keza in, in Edinburgh and talked through some of her ideas. I uh, talked to Jason about some of his ideas. And then, um, I mean, do you want me to just talk about the process or? Yeah, if you don't mind. Um, be, I'm just curious. Like, no, of course. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Talk about like the, the work that you did on it and everything because uh, it's all so good. It's just it's very, <laughs> it's very good. Well, it's an interesting one. So um, I guess to sort of preface this, usually the budgets for these kind of things are not amazing. Um, and Jason and Keza had actually a pretty decent budget for a cover. Um, but they also wanted some interior art. So kind of part of my job on that was almost like as a consultant being like, you know, if you spend this much on the cover, um, we can do this much for the, for the interior. Cause you know, if they, they were talking about wanting like, I think 11 to 20 interior illustrations and um, not to get into the finer details of how much illustrations cost. They, they get pretty expensive and that, that was going to be like, you know, like 20,000, you know, like some crazy price um, for that. So the first thing to work out actually was like the breakdown of, um, Hey, let's let's kind of do something a bit sketchy for the interiors, um, so that it doesn't take forever, and to do like a really nice cover. Um, so when it came to the cover, um, I pitched a bunch of ideas. I, I kind of usually with covers for for books, you want it to be really iconic, usually pretty simple. So I was looking at like the the bonfire on its own on the black, you know, the just the dark sign, like kind of simple imagery that's really evocative. And I did one of like an Orlando sort of skyline. But I remember um, maybe like the sixth version uh, sketch I did was of the, you know, the gravestone, obviously Artorius grave. Um, and it stood out to me immediately. It's like one of those, like you're, you're not thinking about it and then you do the thing and you're suddenly like, oh yeah, that's totally it. Cause that, that totally makes sense. Cause for me at least, and I don't know how you feel about this, but like for me, the fight with Sif and the sort of gravestone moment is like still the most memorable kind of touching moment of the game for me. And also I kind of, I kind of feel like it was just the thing that defined the world of Dark Souls, honestly, like you're in a scary, you know, forest surrounded by swords of the fallen in front of a giant gravestone fighting a giant wolf 
who is trying to protect us. And, and you can you know there's a narrative there. Like it, it's one of the most kind of narratively driven boss fights. Even though you don't know anything at that point, you know you go in there and this wolf has a sword and he, he's protecting. Like you, you get the sort of melancholy vibe, and then you kill it and you feel really torn. It's like Shadow of the Colossus. Um, and for me, like that whole moment was like, oh yeah, that's that's Dark Souls. Like that's the most Dark Souls moment I could think of. Um, in the game. And so I pitched that as, as the cover and I, I, I really believe that that would be a good cover and yeah, they were done. So I, uh, I done it. <laughs> I just done, I done the cover. <laughs> and I did you did the cover and it didn't take very long and it was easy <laughs> to do. It in and it was done. <laughs> yeah. The actual process isn't that interesting, but like the, yeah, that, that was the journey. That was the journey to the cover. Um, the interior is a little bit different. Um, again, cause because I didn't want to do like full rendered, like 22 rendered paintings, which would take forever. Um, I pitched the idea to Jason that wouldn't it be interesting to treat them more like sketches in a journal? Um, so do them with, you know, pencil and paper and then scan them and, and you know, treat them in Photoshop if I needed to. Um, but the, the idea kind of, again, grew wings or legs, both um, while I was thinking about it. And I love the idea of like a, an explorer, basically almost like from the perspective of the player going through the world with a sketchbook, taking notes, um, you know, taking sketches of like the environments and the creatures that he saw uh, or she saw. Um, and that I, I just love that idea. And, and we, we kind of worked with that for a little bit. And the end result really was just like a bunch of sketches of key environments. It wasn't quite as detailed as I'd imagined going into, because I wanted to have like text, you know, sort of scribbled in there and little, little drawings of different creatures that they, they came across. Um, but in the end we just went for some, you know, I think, I think it was 22. I, I actually can't really remember um, sketches of each of the environments. And to do that, I ended up having to do another playthrough of the game. Um, <laughs> oh, darn. You know, six, six, I know. God, it's a, it's a hard job. Um, but I didn't want to spend forever doing it. So I, I created a, uh, a cheat character with like, you know, unlimited souls. So I could just quickly level up and run through. Um, and I ran through every location in the game, taking screenshots for reference. And then I eventually compiled them all and, did all the sketches so that's where that came from nice i can now drink my water <laughs> <laughs> well thank you i wanted to i wanted to get into that a little bit because uh i i think a lot of people don't realize like the the difficulty involved in putting together a project like that and like the budgets and things like that but also uh mm. it's it that that feeling of it being a sketchbook um really comes through like i remember looking at those and like thinking that same thing like it's <clears throat> it's it's very much somebody like sitting down and like sketching out something that they can see, like they're at the bonfire and they're, you know, drawing the, mm. the, the fog gate that goes into dark route or whatever. And I, I always, I always really like that, like a kind of homey style almost. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad that came through. Um, I, I, I wish I'd pushed it further, honestly, but like time was just a, a problem. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really interesting kind of, it's a, it's an interesting thing for me to do because normally the work I do is quite polished and sort of finished looking um, to do like sketches and to set them to a client and be like, well, there's the final is a weird, <laughs> really weird feeling for me, but I quite like them in their own way. I'll, I always like to close out this podcast by asking um, people what they expect to see from, from software in the future or what they hope to see. And uh, mm. I'm, I'm very curious to get your thoughts on it as uh, somebody that obviously has taken a lot of inspiration and, and and it's incorporated that work into their own work. Like, what is your ideal next from software game? Is it Sekiro? Is it is it Bloodborne Four? Or like, what are you what are you looking for? <laughs> 
Sekiro, I, I think, looks great. I'm looking forward to that. But if, if we were talking about the next next thing, for me, it would just be another Bloodborne-style genre shift. You know, I, I want to see them do something different. You know, I, I, they, can, they can make it Bloodborne too, and I'm sure it would be awesome, but I'd love to see... What what's the next thing they're really passionate about? You know that that hopefully maintains some of the same whatever the magic juice that made the Souls game so good. So long as that's there, I, I want to see them do something different. I think that'd be my uh, my dream. Something something spooky, maybe <laughs> something spooky. I like it. <laughs> I like a spooky. <laughs> Well, Paul, thank you so much for, for guesting on the podcast. I really appreciate you coming out along and sharing your story with us. I, uh, this, is, this has been an absolute delight to sit down and be able to talk to you about all of this stuff. No worries. Absolute pleasure, man. I really, really enjoyed it. Can you uh, tell everyone where you can be found on the internet? Yes. Uh, you can see my drawings, what I do, at uh, I post all my Magic the Gathering work and other stuff that I do there. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at a big bat, one word, A-B-I-G-B-A-T. Is that right? Yeah, I've never spelled it out. So they always do that at the end of podcasts. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'll totally nail that if I ever. No, that's that's where. <laughs> yeah, just pay, you know, add me up on Twitter, say hi, whatever. I'm Excellent chat about this. Stuff. Yeah, I'll get. I'll, I'll send all of my um, Bloodborne weirdos your way, so you'll be Yay. swamped in Bloodborne fan art and uh, weird stories. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. That has links to everything you could possibly want to know about the show, including Patreon, including t-shirts, if you want to put a skelly on your belly, um, and just everything. Uh, You can find it all at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week with another great guest. And until then, remember, don't give up skeleton. And we're good. Nice. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, that was breezy, man. I looked up and I was like, oh, yeah, I should probably end this podcast at some point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, I could talk about this stuff forever, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be amazed at the amount of time.